0: Hello, this is Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief of Evidence-Based GI, and I'm here today with Dr. Sonali Paul, Assistant Professor of Medicine at the University of Chicago School of Medicine and their Center for Liver Diseases. We'll be discussing her summary, Inching Closer to a NASH Cure, Daily Semaglutide Achieves Resolution of NASH, but Not Fibrosis after 72 weeks. And this is a review of a recent New England Journal of Medicine article entitled a placebo controlled trial of sub Q semaglutide in non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So let's jump right into it. And Sonali, why don't we talk a little bit about why this is such an important topic, uh, especially coming from you as a NASH specialist.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Phil. As many of you know, 30% of the US population and globally has non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And of those uh, in the US just alone, there's about 3.3 million that are at risk for cirrhosis and its complications. And so with increasing rates of obesity and diabetes, especially during the pandemic, we're only going to see this continue to increase and be the number one cause of chronic liver disease. So a treatment is definitely needed. And while weight loss can reverse NAFOLD and NASH, um, it's obviously very difficult to achieve and difficult to sustain. And despite, you know, some patients' best efforts, um, even if they lose weight, uh, sometimes it doesn't reverse. And so medication is really needed for the treatment of NASH. And unfortunately, right now, there aren't any FDA-approved ones. So this phase two trial was a great initiation of, of several medications coming down the pipeline.
0: And we've talked in the past about using Semaglutide for weight loss in obese and overweight adults without diabetes. And certainly the weekly sub Q injections of semaglutide are very effective at weight loss. This study is specifically looking at using daily sub Q semaglutide for improvement of NASH as opposed to specifically looking at weight loss. And you know, how did the study investigators look at the efficacy of semaglutide for NASH? Yeah, absolutely. So, this was a
1: randomized, um, double blinded, placebo controlled trial. They looked at it for um, over the course of 72 weeks. And the patient population, it was patients with biopsy confirmed NASH and hepatic fibrosis. So, everyone had to have some stage of fibrosis in order to be considered. And the interventions that they used were daily uh, subcutaneous semaglutide, as you mentioned, but at very low doses. So there was 0.1, 0.2, and 0.4 milligrams. And then this was against placebo. So the trial that you had mentioned looking at semaglutide for obesity, they ramped up that dose to 2.4 milligrams. So very different in terms of the doses, the medication. And then their endpoint was basically NASH. So uh, two things, NASH resolution without fibrosis worsening. Our secondary endpoint was fibrosis improvement of at least one stage without any
0: worsening of NASH. As a NASH specialist, the goal of management would be to get resolution of NASH in a patient and to reduce the amount of hepatic fibrosis that's present with an intervention. I do want to make clear to our listeners In the semaglutide trial for overweight and obese patients, it was 2.4 milligrams sub-Q weekly. In this trial, the max dose was 0.4 milligrams sub-Q daily. So at least that max dose seems to be getting closer to the weekly dose that had been used in the weight loss trial. So 72 weeks is, is a good period of time to look, and I believe that these patients also were getting lifestyle interventions and dietary counseling to help them lose weight. And so what did the authors actually demonstrate at the end of 72 weeks? So there were 320 patients that eventually
1: were included in the trial. So there, in terms of the primary outcome of NASH resolution, did they did achieve that Um, were significantly more patients in this maglutide group than in the placebo. So 59% achieved NASH resolution at the 0.4 milligram group versus 17% in the placebo, which was great. It did not though um, achieve their secondary endpoint of fibrosis improvement. And in fact, the placebo effect in the fibrosis improvement group in the fibrosis outcome was about 33%. So um, very high placebo effect for kind of unclear reasons, but not uncommonly seen in NASH trials. But also, I think, you know, the really great things, because with any drug that we're looking at for NASH, not only do we want fibrosis and NASH resolution, we also want to make sure that it's good for their metabolic profile, because so obviously, so many of these patients have metabolic syndrome and obesity. So they also had improvements in their body weight, about 13% in the somaglutide group versus 1% in the placebo group at 72 weeks in addition to the liver tests and their A1C. So all good things um, based on this phase two trial.
0: So correct me if I misstate this. So we found about a 13% reduction in body weight with semaglutide versus only about 1% with placebo. And this was in a population where 62% had diabetes and the mean BMI was 36 which is certainly obese, it looked really good for resolution of NASH without worsening of hepatic fibrosis. But for the secondary endpoint of improvement in hepatic fibrosis stage to F between F1, F2, F3, without worsening of NASH, it didn't show a statistically significant difference. But that may have been because the placebo rate was so high. So it looks like there may be a lot of reasons why patients with NASH who are diabetics or obese might benefit from semaglutide, although you can't absolutely say it's gonna resolve or improve their fibrosis based on this study. I guess I'm going over some different limitations. What else do you feel like are limitations of this study?
1: Yeah, so the patient population, the majority were white women. So 61% were women, um, 78% were white. And as we know, very severe NASH can also happen in in any patient population. But specifically, we look at um, Hispanic patient population with higher rates of a genetic mutation in PNPLA3, which is the way we metabolize kind of lipids. And so that mutation can increase the risk of NASH and advanced fibrosis by 45% and it's much more common in the Hispanic population. So it would be good to be able to include those patients as well to see if there are truly kind of differences with the way semaglutide works. And then with any of the these um, GLP1 agonists, we worry about GI side effects. So there's nausea and vomiting, um, which are pretty common. And and, but that's why we start at a very low dose. And then most likely related to weight loss, there's also a risk of gallstones and um, cholecystitis related to that.
0: So that point about nausea and vomiting is something we always have to emphasize, especially when initiating treatment with semaglutide, that a patient should understand those potential adverse events, which get better if the semaglutide is stopped. So, it may not quite have demonstrated the improvement in NASH in fibrosis associated with the placebo effect, the placebo rate of liver fibrosis being high. On the other hand, there are a lot of different targets that are coming along right now for interventions for patients with NASH, including, as we've discussed, bariatric surgery for those NASH patients if they're obese, as well as doing lifestyle modification with dietary therapy, as well as other medications. And there's a a ton of research about that going on. And I guess that's a good lead into talking about what you do in your own practice when you're managing NASH patients.
1: I think for me, the biggest, there's two big things. Um, one, I always want to be sure we use a multidisciplinary approach. And so all of my patients will see a dietitian to go through what they're eating and kind of dietary advice. And so what we recommend is the Mediterranean diet, a little bit modified, but with carb counting, so 30 grams of carbohydrates per meal, and not more than that. And then coffee. So coffee, there's so much great evidence behind coffee and liver disease. So we recommend three cups of coffee a day. For folks that drink coffee, if you don't drink coffee, there's no need to start. And then the other things that we recommend specifically for patients that have biopsy proven NASH are things like vitamin E. You know, vitamin E has been looked at in several trials. There's the Pivens trial several years ago that looked at uh, vitamin E, placebo, and pyoglutazone and found that vitamin E can help with NASH resolution. And there's also been retrospective studies looking at it to prevent transplant free survival. And so I do use vitamin E in certain patient populations. Again, if they have had a biopsy, that shows NASH and the patients are counseled on kind of the efficacy of it. So there's no kind of long-term data and mortality data surrounding it. and There isn't men a slight chance of prostate cancer and overall a very low chance of hemorrhagic stroke, but sometimes I'll use vitamin E um, 800 units a day. And I have to say it's fairly effective, at least in getting their liver tests to normalize.
0: And based on our conversation last month, I know you're aggressive about using semaglutide 2.4 milligrams sub-Q weekly if the patient is obese or overweight, and that in your multidisciplinary approach, you also do some work with the endocrinologists if they're diabetic. I, I wanted to also ask your opinion about pioglitazone, because I know there's been research about that. Any opinions about that impatience with Nash or have I just opened up a hornet's nest?
1: No, no, no. Not a hornet's nest. Maybe a wasp nest. (laughs) Um, uh, No, so pioglitazone, I think, you know, in the same trial, the Pivens trial that looked at vitamin E, it also looked at pioglitazone versus placebo. And it was effective. My only issue with pioglitazone is that it causes weight gain. And so it's really hard to convince patients to start a drug that, you know, has some efficacy against fatty liver, but then is also going to increase your weight it's a hard sell for me. And there's also an association with bladder cancer that has to be kind of monitored and patients need to know about that. So in my practice, I don't typically use iaglitazone a lot.
0: So in summing this up, it sounds like this specific trial was not able to demonstrate both NASH resolution and improvement of liver fibrosis scores, which is your optimal goal. Yet many of the patient's who have NASH would be candidates for semaglutide because of having type two diabetes, or because of being obese or overweight, or both, so might still get it. What are the things that you think have to be assessed in the future? I guess maybe further studies like this with semaglutide that are larger might show regression of liver fibrosis. And I know there are other medications being examined too.
1: Yes. So there is actually a trial looking at weekly dosing, as we had mentioned at the 2.4 milligram dose, you know, thinking about this trial, some people think that 72 weeks isn't long enough to see fibrosis regression. Um, So we might need to go longer. I think that maybe 96 weeks is what we need to see. So we'll see as the trials come out, um, but I do think, in you know, there's a lot of talk in Nash and fatty liver that it might end up being a dual combination medication that can help um, with both Nash resolution and fibrosis resolution. So we'll see that
0: it's very exciting. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you.